I had been teased in my lifetime, but, you know, to be, you know, institutionally and systematically, you know, excluded from something because of who I was, this was the the first time that had ever happened to me. That's David Todd. He's had a fascinating journey with anxiety and depression throughout his life. In this episode, we'll talk about depression hacks, battling seasonal effectiveness disorder, and he'll talk about his personal experience with electroconvulsive shock therapy. Yes, really, and it's worked for him. He's here to share his story, putting the men in mental health. This is Mental Health Monday. It's Riggs Off the Radio podcast. Let's go! Mental Health Monday is an informational podcast and should not be used to replace the specialized training and professional judgment of a health Healthcare or mental health care professional. Mental Health Monday can't be held responsible for the use of the information provided. Please always consult a trained mental health professional before making any decision regarding treatment of yourself or others. Self-help information and podcasts and information on the internet is useful, but it's not always a substitute for professional assistance. Unless otherwise noted, guests of Mental Health Monday are not doctors or licensed in any way. Our hope is to make a connection with you and be more open and honest about everyone's mental health. Enjoy the podcast. David Todd. Dude, thank you so much for coming on my podcast today for Mental Health Mondays. Anytime, sir. Anytime. And I have met you a couple times and you had expressed your passion for mental health and we both share a passion for that. And you yourself have had a pretty incredible journey, I think. And I've I've wanted to hear your story. So let's tell it. Let's talk about it. So today we're kind of focusing on uh, major depressive disorder, anxiety, seasonal effectiveness disorder, uh, ways to kind of life hack that on your own and trying to get through that, especially seasonal effectiveness disorder, I think is really big in Milwaukee and Wisconsin because it's so gray and so drab for so long. Let me Ugh. tell you, I'm living through it right now. I ju- I've got laundry to do. I've got dishes to do. I've got <laughs> right. all sorts of things to do, and I'm not doing them. Right. So tell me a little bit about your journey. Like, how? When did it all start for you when you kind of knew that you had some mental health issues of your own, like some depression or anxiety issues? How did that come to be? You know, the funny thing is, is for me, um, it started back when I was 16. I was in high school. I was uh, working. I was uh, a manager of a, a telemarketing company. Yeah. And um, I was uh, having horrendous stomach aches. Uh, I like painful, awful stomach aches and, you know, running to the bathroom way too much. Yeah. Did you find, could you pinpoint what was triggering it or was it kind of sporadic and happening um, every once in a while? No, it was, it was stress. It was stressful oh. situations. It was, you know, um, situations I didn't want to be in, that fight or flight kind of, ah. you know, uh, feeling. Um, and at 16, I was put on ulcer medication. Um, so I, Interesting. Had, yeah, that's what they, that's what, you know, they came up with. They thought, you know, I'm always interested in what they diagnose first before they go to mental health. They go, I, uh, ulcers. Yeah. Let's go with that. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, and this is, um, let me be honest. I'm 50 years old. So this is 1986. Okay. So this is, you know, decades, decades ago. Yeah. You know, mental health was not really a, uh, something that they talked about. Right. Well, if it was, it was very taboo. It was, you have depression, you're just sad for a while, you'll get over yeah, it. You'll yeah. get over it. You're just, you're you're stressed out. Yeah. Have a beer, move on with your life. And and I also came to realize that it runs in my family. Um, uh, my father's on antidepressants. Um, my, um, both of my grandmothers um, attempted suicide um, and had mental health problems. Wow. And so that's, that, that's run deep in your family. Yeah. Um, and that's when... You know, most recently, and they've started talking about it being, you know, a chemical imbalance, mm-hmm. a, a physical makeup, you know, something that is you're you're born with or that you're wired for sure. or something. 
um, so which makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So you're having these stomach aches. You're thinking that they think it's an ulcer. Yeah. And then how? When do you decide, When do you realize that this is this is anxiety that I'm dealing with? Well, about twenty, about twenty, at about twenty-four. So about ten years later on, eight years later on. And so they're treating an ulcer that isn't there for that long, or did you stop taking that ulcer medication? I think I pretty much stopped taking it. Yeah, because yeah, I was like, if you're, treating, in college, if you're treating an ulcer that isn't there, I would think that would do damage to your innards. I don't know. Yeah, that's just my non, but my well, unmedical you know, opinion. Then you listen to the doctor. Yeah, I know. Uh, he knows best. They, they didn't give you a lot of time to question you back then. Yeah. Um, but uh, then uh, when I was twenty-four-ish, twenty-five or somewhere around there, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. Which will cause anybody stress. Yeah. Honky tonk <laughs> at every corner, literally. <laughs> um, they say Nashville has a country bar, a country band in every bar, and they're not joking. It is in every single bar. Oh my God, yeah. Every bar. I I um I was down there for a, a whopping six months, and three weeks into it, I had a twang. You know, I knew where all the good food was. Uh-huh. I knew where all the good bars were. Sure. You know, I had run into a situation, and um, I'm a gay man, uh, and I went down there with my partner. Okay. And for the first time in my life, I ran into some discrimination. I was living in a... That was um, the first time you encountered discrimination at 24? Yeah. Pe- people wow. don't realize um, how lucky they are to be in Wisconsin if they're LGBT. Oh, it's been um, very forward thinking here? Uh, we were the very first state in the nation to protect LGBT people in the workplace and in housing. Good for us. Good for Wisconsin. Yeah. Right on you. Not to mention we also have the largest LGBT festival in the world. Well, we own pridefest.com, yo. We do. <laughs> That's we us. Do. That's Milwaukee. You know, I was kind of spoiled in that sense. You know, yeah. I had a very accepting family. Um, I had very accepting friends. Um I came up pretty late. I was like 22. Yeah. You know, I gave it the old college try with, with the gals. Right. Um, wasn't doing it for you. Wasn't doing it for me. All right. But uh, moved down to Tennessee with my uh, partner at the time and rented a big town home, which we had no furniture to, f- to furnish. Okay. And, you know, a month or two into it, I called the management company and I said, you know, hey, I know there's a wait list for these, you know, townhomes. Why don't, you know, we move into a one bedroom because we don't have, you know, any furniture to speak of, okay. per se. Reasonable. Um, and then you can put somebody into the townhome that's on the waiting list. Dead silence on the other end of the phone. And this woman very, very calmly says to me, we have a policy against renting a one bedroom to two unrelated men. What? Uh-huh. And I was home on lunch because I worked right around the corner from where I, um, uh, where the TV station was. And, um, I was watching Oprah. I remember it distinctly. Nice. And, uh, I flushed red completely. Well, yeah. And that's an attack on you personally in your life right there. Yeah. And to be, and to be, you know, a quarter century old already. And this to be the first time that you're like, whoa, there's people that don't like me out there. That's what is going on. I mean, I had been teased in my lifetime, but you know, to be, you know, institutionally and systematically, you know, excluded from something because of who I was. This was the fir- the first time that it ever happened to me. My, so I um went and saw a doctor because uh, I started having anxiety attacks. Well, yeah, like, who else is out there to get me full in on. this new area? What other policies are out there that are plotting against yeah. me that I can't things that I can't do that everybody else can? Yeah, if there was a heterosexual unmarried couple, I'm sure they would have rented it out of one bedroom, probably. Of course, you think? Of, course. of course, yeah. Two men, no, 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 no. We can't um, do that. In the end, you know, mid nineties. Uh, this doctor put me on, uh, Valium. Uh, interesting. Yeah. So I've been, (laughs) I've been on the prescription of Valium for about 26 years. Okay. Um, and that's just a one you needed basis. 
Is that what he Mine said? Mine is just a, uh, as you need it. So you yeah. feel an anxiety attack coming on, you realize what it is, and you yeah. medicate on the, at that moment. Yeah. I mean, at that point, you know, I was finding myself wanting to hide under my desk. Which nobody should have to do. No. I mean, and, and, it, was, and it wasn't rational. You know, and, um, and there was not good mental health care in Tennessee, in Nashville, Tennessee at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, there was not a good therapist I was going to go to that was going to, you know, talk me um, into feeling better about what was going on. Well, why are we going to fix people's brains? We need another honky tonk. That's where the money's going. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Music City. Um, so, so there you were now it's in your, in your mid twenties. In my mid twenties. You finally um, have it under control somewhat. Did you feel like on, at that point? under control. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it wasn't, and I got back to Milwaukee and I found myself, you know, um, not so much relying on Valium, but, um, just getting a little more, um, not so much anxious, but more blue. Um, uh, a little sadder, a little sadder about a lot of things. Okay. Um, and I thought, you know, maybe it's because I'm sensitive. Maybe it's because I'm a little introspective. Maybe yeah. it's because I'm a Virgo. Maybe it's because, you know, you know, you're trying to the, rationalize it in your head, think of all the reasons that might be happening, all the reasons. And, um, finally I went to a doctor and said, you know, I think maybe I need to see a therapist, you know, and just talk about some things, yeah. and maybe get some things out. Um, so I did that and, um, uh, I started a regime of antidepressants and, you know, one of the things about going on antidepressants is you've got to find the right one for you. Yeah, it's a lot of trial and error. Yeah. And, there's and anybody medication. listening right now, don't be afraid. If you get on a medication and it does something to you, like I have a friend that just started anxiety medication. He says he's been a week into it and he's lost his appetite completely. And mm-hmm. I don't let that deter you and think, well, I can't use medication now. I guess I'm screwed. Go back to your psychiatrist and tell them, hey, this is affecting my appetite. This is making me feel X. This is making me feel Y. I'm having suicidal thoughts on this. There's other medications out there that yeah. they can prescribe that might be a better fit for you. There's also an adjustment period. That you know, too, yes. Every medication takes at least four weeks for you to acclimate to it. I've heard you know, that, yeah. There's side effects to every single one of them, mm-hmm. You know whether it's... You know, one of them gave me night sweats. One of them killed my appetite. Mm-hmm. One of them made my appetite way too much. You know, um, one of them, uh, <laughs> and this is funny, uh, but the um, doctor didn't tell me that one of the side effects of Wellbutrin can be hypo hyper arousal. Oh my God, so you were horny all the time? All the time. <laughs> and I was like, well, this isn't me. Right. This is bizarre. Right. Um, so, you know, on my next appointment, I said, you know, I'm having this odd side effect. And he goes, oh, that's that's one of the side effects. And I'm like, well, then let's try something else. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. So, so now, so then you were doing that in, in addition to the Valium as well? Yeah. Valium, again, as I okay. needed for anxiety. And a therapist talking to somebody. And on a, a regular talking to somebody. Yeah. So you kind of got it all padded right there. Kind of- yeah. And I, you know, I thought I, I thought I had it, you know, down. Um, and, uh, most recently, uh, um, I actually, um, in 2005 lost my mom, uh, at a very young age at 62. Yeah. Um, and I didn't handle it well. Um, I handled it well for everybody else. You know, I was the rock of the family. So I, you know, um, you know, put together the, um, uh, the funeral ceremony. Um, I wrote the eulogy. I delivered the eulogy. You never took time to grieve for yourself though. Uh, at that time, at, not at that time. 
because you put everyone else ahead of you. My mom is like that. I'm like that too. You're kind of an empath in, in that way. I'm very much an empath. Mm-hmm. Um, I self-identify. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, I just posted something to my Facebook page um, that talks about not being embarrassed about being depressed because being depressed means you've just been been strong for so long that you know you finally get to a breaking point where it's just like you know something's got to give mm-hmm. and what gives is your mood you know what gives is your rationality sometimes so you've lost your mom what happens in this time after so this? after this you know i um um uh, i was actually working in california at the time for the fox network um so i was flying home monthly to take care of her and to give my dad a break um she passed in october I stayed in Milwaukee, uh, November and December to kind of get my family through the holidays. Yeah. And at that time my dad was retired and, um, my parents had a little vacation place in Arizona. So I thought, you know, I just want to get him resettled back in Arizona and then I'll, then I'll pick up my life. Yeah. Um, and, uh, went back to California and worked two years for, um, the Susan G. Komen foundation and just was feeling really, really lonely and really isolated. And thought to myself, you know, let's go back to Milwaukee. You know, let's go back, uh, you know, let's let's find your support network. You know, okay. go back to family, you know, get near your sister, get near your... Um, your, um, your familiar zone, that's your territory exactly. up there. Yeah. You know, um, you know um, I'm still very close with a lot of my friends from high school. Yeah. So, you know, um, in my mind, it was, you know, get back to a support system. You Absolutely. Know, again, all these like little tricks you do, all these little, you know, life hacks you do. Yeah. Try to like just you know just to make it through day to day, and um, about I don't know about five years into it, it wasn't getting better. Um, and you know I was reading you know Wayne Dyer books and I was reading Eckhart Tolle books and all these all these authors who talk talk about you know going inside and reflecting and manifesting what you want and self help type books self help type okay. books um, and they were great and I would recommend them to anybody. Um, but you know, when you're chemically imbalanced, you're chemically imbalanced. And, um, I still was not finding, you know, the, the relief I thought I would find, um, with antidepressants, you know, it was still, we were still in the mixture of cocktails of, you know, let's try Wellbutrin with a kick of Cymbalta. Let's try, you know, you know, Prozac with a little Zoloft. You feel like a science experiment at this point. Well, yeah. And, you know, again, there's an adjustment period for every single one of them, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's like, you know, then your appetite went, you know, then, you know, um, um, and, you know, I just, I'm 50 years old, you know, even 10 years ago, you know, you're 40 years old, you know, one of the side effects of a lot of antidepressants is sexual dysfunction. Um, and I wasn't ready for that. Um, uh, I am now, I'm old enough to not care about that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But, I'll get there um, soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still tell my wife. But, um, uh, and darn it, the Wellbutrin's not even helping. Right. Um, but uh, I finally, um, a- after after a good, um, a good chunk of seeing a therapist um, who was actually a psychiatrist and um, going through a number of different medications um, in the, and I also, um, in 2015, um, uh, lost a job I very much liked. A lot of um, loss. Yeah. Um, it, it, and it was, it was a downsizing, um, that I didn't see coming. 
Sure. But there's still a lot of self-blame. Even when there is downsizing, you think about what you did wrong, what you could have done to keep the job if there wasn't. Yeah. And I just, and I was baffled at why, you know, you know, I had been downsized, you know, my, my metrics were great and it was all wonderful. And, you know, I was, uh, um, I was a coalescer at my workplace and, you know, um, I generally put on a happy face. Yeah. Um, uh, which is another thing that's, uh, you know, a lot of people with depression do is they put on that happy face. Yeah. They always say to do that. Really like, happy. Yeah. Check on your happy, check on your, your happy friends and your overly funny friends. I get checked on a lot. People are like, are you okay? You okay? Yeah. Everything all right inside? Yeah. You putting on a front right now? Yeah. And sometimes I do. Sometimes we all do. Sometimes we have to, to get through a day, but you have to recognize that you're doing that and yeah. you're not using it to put on a mask to cover up what's really there because it can get bad. It can get dicey. Well, I know you've seen, because we've talked about it before, that new PSA that's out called Embrace the Awkward. Yes, he's the awkward, of course. Yep. It's the first public service announcement that has spoken to me because I am one of those people that, you know, I'm the funny one. I'm the, you know, smiley one. I'm the leader. I'm the, you know, I'm the go-to guy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when she goes, you know, are you okay? And you go, yeah, I'm fine. Are you really okay? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, if that second, are you really okay? When, you know, I go, I'm not really okay. You know, there's this, um, you know, there's this, um, but you know, you need somebody to, to ask that question twice. Yeah. You know, you know, one time you can brush it off. You know, if somebody says, really? When someone tells me they're fine, I say fine stands for freaked out, insecure, nervous, and emotional. You're one of those four things. You're not fine. What is it? Yeah. Because nobody's ever fine. Yeah. And if I am fine, I don't use fine. I'm great. I'm having yeah. a great day. I'm awesome. Yeah. It couldn't be better. If I'm fine, that means I'm dressed well. Yes. And when it, <laughs> and when a woman else, it means I'm also insecure. So <laughs> Right. And when a woman says she's fine, that means everything's wrong, by the way. Everything. Exactly. Everything. The sky's falling. Yeah. Never, so, never so go near a woman. How dark, did, how dark did you get in this moment? Because you had loss of your mom, the loss of a job. Yeah. You're trying all these antidepressants. You're dealing with your anxiety. You're yeah. moving around the country. You're, you said sexually stuff stuff was going on as well. Yeah. And, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, the, the best years of my life were turning into like the worst years of my life. Um, so in, uh, in February of 2018, I went to my um, therapist uh, with tears in my eyes and I'm not a crier. Uh, and I said, you know, nothing's helping, you know, none of this, none of these medications are helping. Um, and you know, we can talk till I'm blue in the face, but I still have to go home with this. And I said, I think it's time for us to try, you know, electroconvulsive shock therapy, um, which is, you know, rather extreme. It is. Um, I didn't know that that was still practiced. Uh, Mm. it is. And it's, um, it's not as, uh, terrifying as uh, it has been. Well, in the movies in the 40s, they put you in a straitjacket, strap you down to a table, and they yeah, well, zap you. Know, you and you cuckoo's nest in, in the 70s. Sure, you know? yeah. Um, that was and the... my grandmother went through that. You know, I had one of my grandmothers who was, you know, strapped down with leather straps and put a bite guard in her mouth and, you know, the wet cotton ball to the temples and, you know, flip the switch. Yeah. Um, they pretty much do the same thing right now, but they also, you know, put you out. Okay. Um it is, you know, a measured amount of voltage that goes into you. Yeah. Um, they do induce a seizure, but you don't go thrashing around. Right. Um, and they wake you up and they give you some food and then you feel better. Um, at least that's how it worked for me. Okay. In your experience, did it work for you? Do you feel like it, it benefited you, know, you? After three sessions, I can actually, even after the first session, I could tell that it was going to work for me. Really? Yeah. Um, I have been told 
that it's not as effective on younger people as it is on older people. I wonder why um, that is. I'm sure there's a medical reason for that. I'm sure there is. Um, but neither one of us are doctors, and I don't want to surmise too much of that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and and mine was outpatient. Okay. Um, so I would have it done with several several other people um, lined up to do it. Right. They, were, they would take four of us, you know, at a time. Um, and we'd come out of it, and you know, there'd be other people who were having side effects of very very much emotion. So you know, there'd be somebody crying in the room. Or there'd be somebody who, you know, just wanted to get out and was having panic attacks. Um, and there can be different side effects. I didn't have any of those. Um, I suffer some memory loss. Okay. Um, because they do, you know, zap your brain. Yeah. Um, so something has to give. Um, and for me, it's my memory. Yeah. Did they tell you that going in? That might happen. Yeah, that could they be did. It. Okay. Um, but um, when I went in at, at 28, in 2018 to ask for this, um, I was, uh, uh, well, you know, I was suicidal. Um, no one likes to say that. No one likes to admit it. No, thank you for saying that. I was coming up with, with, um, and I, this is exactly what I said to my therapist. I said, I'm coming up with new and better ways that I want to kill myself. I said, and I don't really want to do it. I said, but you know, my, my irrational self, especially when I'm alone, is coming up with, you know, new and improved ways to take myself out of this world because I'm just miserable. You just want the pain to stop? You just want to yeah. shut it off? Yeah. Um, I didn't do it and I couldn't do it because I have a living father. I have a living sister. Um, uh, I live with my cousin who's my best friend and, um, and I have a lot of, I have a lot of great support. You know, um, when I, when I take stock of, of, of what I have in my life. And when I do those, you know, grateful checks and let me tell you, grateful checks are a wonderful thing to counteract depression. Oh, I've heard about that. Yes. You know, count down all the things that you have that are going for you in life. Oh God. Yeah. Write them I down. Mean, Even if you don't think they're there, they're there on the darkest days, you know, on the gloomiest days like today. Yeah. I think to myself, you know, what do I have? You know, you know, what do I have that so many other people don't have? Yeah. And the list is long. Well, every day may not be good, but there is some good in every day, a little bit. Exactly. Some. Exactly. So um, I ended up um, going through about, I want to say, six weeks of intensive um, electroconvulsive shock therapy, or ECT, mm-hmm. they call it, um, where I went um, three times a week. Then we went down to once every three weeks. Then we went down to once every five weeks. So for about a year, I was in treatment. Mm-hmm. And then we said, you know, okay, I think I'm good. Um, you know, I, I was, um, it was the balance between I feel really, really good now and I'm conscious of what, what's going on. Um, one of the things it did for me is it really made me self-aware. It made me aware of when I'm slipping. It made me aware of when I'm going down that dark tunnel. Mm-hmm. It made me aware of when, um, when the depression starts creeping back in. Um, so then I can make an appointment with my therapist exactly, or I could go back in for maintenance ECT Okay, or I could say, you know, you know, maybe we need to up my, you know, medication or change my medication, you know? So, um, one of the things I'm most grateful for right now is going through this treatment. Um, I have been, um, the most self-aware I've ever been in my entire life. That's good. Yeah. That's very good. Um, and, um, and I have great support in um, 
uh, I, uh, I own a small apartment building. So my cousin lives next door to me. Okay. Um, and he's my power of attorney. He's the guy that picks me up from ECT every time, every time that I have it. Yeah. He's your rock. Um, he's my rock. Yeah. And, um, all of the nurses know him, all the doctors know him. Um, and I've given them all permission or I've given the talk to all of them and given, um, them permission to take anything that he says to heart. You know, if he sees me slipping, if he sees something I don't see, if they get a call from him saying, I think David needs to come in for some reason, listen to him. Yeah. You know, he's got my back. Um, I might not see it. He will. That's good to have that. Yeah. And, um, uh, so even after that whole set of treatment was done, um, last year, 2019 in April, it was the winter that would not end. You know, um, oh my God, that winter was terrible. I remember that. We had like for those that don't live in Wisconsin, it was hell. Yeah. <laughs> in, in in the last two weeks of April, I think it snowed four times, yeah. six inches each time. Yeah. And I was just, you know, I sat down on the sofa and I looked at him. I said, "Do you think I need to go back in?" And he goes, "I think so." The seasonal effectiveness disorder started kicking in. Did that exacerbate uh, um, your depression? It it definitely exacerbated it. Yeah. And um. And just, it just didn't seem like it was going to end. I mean, winter did not seem like it was going to no. end. You weren't alone in that. I know that it was coming to an end. Yes. You know, I know that it can still be freezing cold in June in Milwaukee. Yeah. But um, nonetheless, I knew, you know, again, rationally, I knew, you know, it would come to an end. You know, emotionally, I just wasn't, you know, I just couldn't stand it anymore. Yeah. You know, what else do you use to kind of combat that seasonal effectiveness disorder? Do you have any like um, life hacks that you have? You said mentioned something about a sun lamp that you have. Yeah, um, a good, a really, really great friend of mine um, who is my my business mentor, one of my best friends, um, uh, got me a a sun lamp, um, a sun. It's kind of like a sun disc almost. Yeah, um, that you can turn on to different higher levels um, that you just sit in front of that you know gives you that vitamin D sun. Oh yeah. Or that vitamin D light, I should say. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things I use. I've heard of people also taking vitamin D supplement if you don't have a yep. light yep. of access to that. I take that's... a multivitamin just to make sure that I'm there getting vitamin D in my system. If it's, it's another... not coming through my food or whatever. It's another great life hack for seasonal effectiveness disorder yep. for sure. Yep. Um, I also know what brings me joy. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm big into music. Okay. So, um, concerts, live music, or just zoning out, mm-hmm. listening to your own music with just, nice noise know, canceling. Any kind of music, you know. Um, I um, I tend to have a little bit of agoraphobia sometimes. Um, fear of going outside. Yeah. Getting out of the house. So, um, I uh, I actually <laughs> wasted two hundred dollars on a share ticket, um, because uh, I had the ticket and. Is it I really had, a waste? You saw share. You're a gay man. No, I had agoraphobia. Oh, Jesus. And I had missed it. Even the lure of share couldn't get you out of the house? Even the lure of share. And the money, the money you dropped on the tickets? You have to know that You would have been I'm, with all of your people. You have to know I'm not well when I don't see share. Um, That's a big sign. So Did your cousin chime that, in and say, yo, was a we're, getting you into, flag. we're getting you into therapy back in there now, yeah. dude. So, um, mind you, I'd seen her five times before. So, right? Um, yeah, the six times even better than the fifth. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, but, you know... Um, uh, putting music on and, and turning the TV off. Okay. Um, you know, I, I tend to, because I, because I worked in television for 25 years, mm-hmm. I tend to be a bit of a news junkie. 
Yeah, and the news is neither. Very rarely is there an uplifting story on the news. Very rarely is there an uplifting story. Usually yeah. at the end, it's a squirrel on a water ski, and that's it. That's all you get. Otherwise, it's murder, death, that's murder, death, rape, violence, yeah. arson, murder. Is a squirrel on a water ski. Have a good day. Everybody, try, everybody tries to put, you know, <laughs> one little positive story at the end. Yeah, or, you know, the kicker. The reason we do things or, you know, here's, you know, Anthony Mason with his story on whatever, yeah. or, you know, his happy, happy, and... um uh, and I watch CBS Sunday uh, Sunday Sunday mornings. Okay, I think that's what it's called. Um, just because they tend to be, you know, you know, a little bit more positive news. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know what to avoid know, when you get that, when you feel exactly, yourself going down that exactly. road. So. so I turn the TV off and I turn the music on. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily, I have you know YouTube and I've got Alexa and I've got you know. Um, uh, I've got the um, radio.com app on Alexa. Oh my God, look at you. Look I at know. you. Look at you. Plug, plug. Um, Here's your check, by the way, for that. Let me write it out real yeah. quick. So, you know, what I need to, um, and quite frankly, you know, if I wake up and I'm having a bad morning, you know, you and um, uh, the team at Kiss FM make me laugh hysterically. Oh, thank you. You and Allie and Gibbons crack crack me up. I'm glad people still listen to us on the radio. I really am. Yeah. I'm glad people listen to this podcast, but I'm even more grateful that they listen to us on the radio because I get bonused on that. I get paid on that. So that's my job. It's my full-time thing. And, you know, again, you know, it's finding those small things where it's like, you know, invite the good in. Yep. I agree. I think if more people did that, I think a lot more people would be a lot happier. And it sounds so cheesy and cliche, but just being kind to people. Mm-hmm. Being nice to one another, mm-hmm. it sounds so easy, but it really is that easy. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, is... You never know what someone's going through. Is you need to try when you're yeah. depressed. You know, um, and, you know, it's hard to try, especially when it's gloomy like this. And it's hard to try when you don't, when you're, um, uh, you know, one of the side effects is, you know, feeling tired a lot, yeah. or feeling sleepy or staying in bed a lot. Um but you've got to try to get out. Yeah. Um, and even when I'm feeling a little agoraphobic, I can still generally go have coffee with one person. There you go. Baby steps. Um, baby steps. Mm-hmm. And and I have about a good dozen folks that, you know, I make sure that, you know, I go have lunch or I go have coffee or we go have dinner, you know, at least once a month, mm-hmm. you know, to make sure that, you know, I'm not isolating myself and I'm not um, hiding and I'm not. Just, you know, spending my time under the blankets. Yeah. Um, because you can easily, you know, get up, put that face on, go to work, do your job, come back, take your clothes off, put your sweats on and get it, you know, and get under the blankets yeah. and stay there. And um, don't fall into that trap and realize if you are falling into that trap to yeah, correct it. Well, that's why I can. go back to, you know, being very grateful that I'm uh, so um, self-aware that, mm-hmm. you know, when I see that happening, you know, I can kind of nip it in the bud and say like, all right, you know, you've spent the weekend, you know, under the blankets. Yeah. Go do something. Absolutely. You know, get out and do something. You got a lot of good messages. You've got a really cool story. That's fascinating yeah. how you've, your journey of mental health and look at you and well, how you're a very functioning human being. And I think it's going to be a, you know, I, um, I kind of resigned myself to the fact that it's going to be a lifelong struggle for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be a lifelong affliction. Um, and, um, uh, I've just come up with better ways to manage it. That's you know, good. it's like, it's like, you know, it's like having diabetes or it's mm-hmm. like having, you know, you know, Crohn's disease or anything like that. You know, you just have to know how to manage your disease. Yep. And mental health is a disease that, you know, 
people are finally starting to recognize as a disease. You just can't see it, which is the problem. You can see a broken arm. Yeah. You can see yeah. physical injury, but yeah. you can't see what's going on in the brain. Well, and even now, you know, there have been great um, strides in, in um, looking at uh, brain scans. And um, there's a, there was just a research study that was being done um I want to say at Rochester or um, John Hopkins, one John of those. Hopkins, one of those, yeah. John Hopkins, I think it was, yeah. um, where they're trying psychedelics. Um, they're trying, you know, magic mushrooms Interesting. Um, and putting people um, under kind of on trips. Well, I know. guess if it's, uh, I don't know, controlled in an environment where they're and controlled. that's exactly what it is. You're and not giving people mushrooms and sending them to a fish concert. No. No. We get in a controlled area. Exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, but it's only a study right now. Yeah. Um, but they're finding positive results from it. Yeah. And um, that's the great thing, you know, um, that they're that they're uh, continuing to look into it. They're continuing to study the brain. They're continuing to try different new things, ways. It sounds like to try different things. Yeah. Um, I found out about it on you know um, sixty minutes. Anderson Cooper did a story on it. Yeah. Um, and um, it's really been legitimized in in the news and in the media. And, um, and that makes you feel good too. Yeah. It makes you feel good that somebody else has recognized that, you know, you're not faking. And you're not alone either. And that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in fact, even this morning, um, I was watching, uh, I just caught a bit of the view cause I was walking out the door mm-hmm. and, um, they were saying, you know, who these days isn't suffering from anxiety, you know, who these days isn't panicked about, you know, global warming or, you know, the elections that are looming oh my God, so much. or, you know, the economy or the economy <laughs> or whatever. Your bills, your kids, everything. Exactly. Life is full of stresses. Exactly. And, you know, everybody needs to have a release and everybody needs to be able to, you know, find, uh, you know, find that sweet spot for them. Um, I've come to find out that, you know, for me, it's not, um, uh, I used to be a big fan of wine. Um, I don't drink as much anymore because mm-hmm. um, wine is a depressant. Yeah, people forget about that. Alcohol is a depressant. And when yeah. you have depression, you're adding to it. You're making it yeah. worse. Yeah. You're masking it and you're making it worse. And it's not that I don't have a couple of glasses of wine right. on the weekend. You or, do it responsibly. Or in an evening. And you don't and use I go it. to bed and you know let it metabolize. Yeah. But you don't get upset. Find yourself going down that spiral and right. say, I'm going to go out drinking now. Bad idea. Oh, bad life design. Bad idea. Right. Yeah. And, you know, same thing, you know, with, you know, a lot of people are, are um, um, excited at the possibility of medical marijuana. Yeah. Um, it helps some people. Mm-hmm. Um, it does not help me. Right. You know, I've tried it before um, in the attempt of trying anything that was going to save sure. my life. Yeah. Um, and um, so, yes, I've inhaled. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bill. <laughs> for that uh, 20-year-old joke. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, it just, you know, again, again, it just makes me, it, it depresses my system. Yeah. You know, it brings me down. So um, I don't do, uh, you know, I don't really have any vices any longer. But you found what doesn't work and you found what does work, which I think is yeah. important. And you haven't given up hope throughout yeah. this entire journey. And a lot of, you've hit a lot of obstacles that a lot of people would have given up. So kudos to you for continuing on and being so strong in your journey. Yeah. I mean, you should have a lot of pride in yourself that you've done a lot for yourself. You picked yourself up quite a bit. So, Well, and I do. And, and you know, and a lot of people, you know, credit um, their support system, mm-hmm. which I completely do all the time. And again, very, very grateful for the friends I've got that yeah. have rallied around me and, you know, given me rides to ECT. 
because um, you can't you can't drive yourself and you can't take yourself home. And they do all this judgment free. They don't judge you for any of this. Nope. They're just nope. helping you out, which is good. They're Find a friend that will listen without judging you. Exactly. Um, because I think, again, you know, as as my generation and my friend groups um, get older, we all get a little bit more perspective. You know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of my friends are, you know, have teenagers now. A lot of my friends are empty nesters. Um, so, you know, they're understanding a little bit more of what it's like to, you know, go through some of those, you know, emotional hurdles and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, but the, you know, in the, at the, at the, at, at the end of the day, you've got to put the work in, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to really, you kind of have to advocate for yourself. Um, and that's why I, you know, went to my doctor and I said, you know, as dramatic as it is and as, you know, um, as extreme as it is, we've got to try ECT. Yeah. You know, and, and you're glad that you did. That worked for you personally. That's it great. did. And um, um, I would advocate anybody talking to their doctor about it. To ask um, about it? To ask about it. Okay. Um, as a matter of fact, there's also a, a new treatment. Um, and there's been commercials on tele- television too. And it's been suggested to me. Um, it's called Neurostar. And it's a magnetic... Um, oh, I've heard about this, yes. Brain... Um, using magnets. Amplifier, yeah. right, to kind of, you know, help uh, rewire some of the sections that aren't wired yeah. properly. Um, I've not done that um, because ECT has worked for me. Okay. So I'm kind of sticking with it. Yeah. Well, there's so many options out there for people, too. So many options. And you don't know those options unless you reach out like you did. It sounds exactly. like you've sought out those options and you're being a self-advocate, which yeah. a lot of people may need to hear. Well, you need to be honest with yourself, too. Yeah. You know, and you need to have um, honest critics around you as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those few friends that you've got who say, you know, are you really okay? You know, they're the people that you turn to and say, you know, I'm not. and I'm not quite sure what to do about it. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to not be okay, too. It is okay not to be okay. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to not know, you know, what you're going to do or what your next step is going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, find that lifeline. Find that good doctor. You know, even my primary care physician, you know. Um, you know, always checks on me, um, and make sure that I'm okay, and and um, works very very closely with my psychiatrist and my other um, um, uh, psychiatric team to make sure that everything's okay, and that you know, you know what medications I'm getting at you know his office yeah. aren't interacting with the medications I'm getting from my psychi- psychiatrist. Yeah, and you know, uh, shows like yours, this podcast, Mental Health Mondays, you know, has really you know. Uh, uh, shown a light on you know a lot of people's struggles. Well, yeah, I love to, I like telling people stories. I find find people like you who have a journey, and someone else can probably be listening right now. They can relate to something you've said or an experience that you've had that knows now that they're not alone. There are options out there, and being a self advocate and not giving up. And yeah. those you've said some really great things that I think resonate with a lot of people. And I'm very glad that I brought you in to tell your story today. No, thank you. I am. Um... I, I I also love that you know on, on on Facebook so many people are posting things about you know um, suicide and depression oh, and yeah. memes about that and saying you know repost this mm-hmm. you know spread this around let's get this message out it's um, becoming less taboo which is wonderful exactly and but um, we still have a ways to go so <laughs> exactly and I'm a survivor of suicide I, I you know I did a half-hearted attempt at it um, and. Um, Glad I I didn't I didn't go through. I'm glad you didn't either. Because um, I'm glad that I'm still around and um, uh, feeling better than ever. We could all use a little more David Todd in our lives. 
I'd like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on my uh, my podcast for Mental Health Monday, putting the man in mental health. Anytime, Andy. Uh, listen, anytime. We look forward to talking to you next week. And uh, thank you so much for checking out Mental Health Monday. Enjoy the rest of your day, your afternoon, your weekend, your night, whatever you're doing. And always remember to make good life decisions.